This is the Small Moves Podcast with your host, Jason Hertzberger, episode 37. Today, I'm going to tell you something that's really important. Are you ready for it? Listen to this. Now, squirrel. I'm sorry, were we talking about something? You're listening to the Small Moves Podcast. Small steps for big progress. With your host, Jason Hertzberger. Your next step starts now. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Small Moves Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Hertzberger. I'm really glad that you're here today. Today, we are talking in the category of health. And something that I want to talk about in today's episode is attention deficit disorder or attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, otherwise known as ADD or ADHD. Now, this is a diagnosis that I received myself back when I was in mid to late elementary school. And it's something that I've always sort of viewed, at least earlier on in my life, had already had always viewed as something of a burden, as it didn't really let me get too much stuff done. That's generally speaking the perception of a lot of people in the educational system when it comes to ADD and ADHD. And I just want to share a little bit about my thoughts and my feelings on it, as it's something that applies to a lot more of us than one would think, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. It is in certain contexts or can be in certain contexts based on how the child or the adult, in my case, um, has learned to manage it. But ADD is a really interesting thing in that it is somewhat misunderstood. ADD, as I understand it, being a diagnosee, is the inability to focus, at least so they say is an inability to focus. That's something of a misconception about ADD. What ADD really is, is the ability to hyper-focus, which is to say you pay absolute attention to everything that's going on around you. You can hear the cricket in the corner while listening to the teacher talk while hearing somebody scratch their pencil on the table in the desks two rows behind you, to the car that's driving around outside, to the girl that's walking down the hall outside, to the person that made the mistake of hitting the intercom button, to the fact that I forgot to eat breakfast this morning, to the fact that did my dog eat breakfast this morning, to the fact that my dog forgot to go out last night and had made a mess on the floor when I came down this morning. Is the dog okay? Is the dog feeling well? When's the last time the dog got his teeth brushed? Did I brush my teeth this morning? Like that, that's generally speaking the thought process behind a lot of people with ADD. And I have to tell you that that's generally speaking how I think on a day to day basis. It can be somewhat maddening if you don't necessarily know how to control it and how to harness it. Now, one of the things that I want to make sure that everybody understands about ADD and ADHD people is if you're trying to talk to us and it seems like we're not paying attention to you, please forgive us. We very well might be ignoring you, but we are very good at focusing 
with some guidance. For example, my wife, my delightful wife, Carrie, the one who is a special ed certified teacher and self-employed private tutor, is incredibly good at dealing with people with ADD and ADHD. And when it comes to dealing with me, she has learned, like everybody else with ADD and ADHD, if you go out of your way to point out that something is important and that needs to be paid attention to, then we are very good at doing so. Like so she'll say, I need you to remember this right now. Are you listening? And if I say yes, then I'm there. But if she doesn't particularly preface it, then my mind may wander. But if you're around somebody that has this disorder, I don't even really want to call it a disorder. We'll get to that in a little bit. But if you're around somebody on a regular basis that has this diagnosis, learning the language of how to communicate with people with ADD and ADHD is critical for you to be able to have a productive relationship with people like this, meaning people like me. <clears throat> Squirrel. Anyway, I'm sorry. Anyway, the interesting thing about this condition, if you want to call it that, is that there is a near endless list of obscenely successful people that have had this diagnosis or have shown classic symptoms of this diagnosis prior to it being widely spread. Just a few examples, Channing Tatum, Albert Einstein, Justin Timberlake, Karina Smirnoff, Richard Branson, Salvador Dali, Ty Pennington, Whoopi Goldberg, Adam Levine, the, the list kind of goes on. There's a lot of people that have had this diagnosis to whom it doesn't seem to affect all that much. A young gent by the name of Michael Phelps, the swimmer, one of the most decorated swimmers in the history of the United States, also has this diagnosis. Same with former NFL Hall of Famer Terry Bradshaw. There's a lot of people that have had this to which it hasn't necessarily been an obstacle. It's been more of a strength for them. Now, that being said, some of the things that you need to know about ADD people is that we ha we do have ways to harness this in a positive light. Just to give you a couple of examples is that people with ADD, you might see them as being highly distractible and sort of jumpy, where we tend to jump from topic to topic or from activity to activity. Um, hidden in that, frankly, is we tend to be a bit more spontaneous and a bit more energetic than your average person that will tend to shine through in social situations, in sports, in certain free range type of learning opportunities that some people might have access to. We tend to be a little bit more creative in that our brains are moving a million miles an hour, which is both good and bad. But on the good side, that is where you can really start to see if you give us an example of a situation that we need to solve or a problem that we need to solve, I should say, the number of ideas that we can crack off off the top of our heads is pretty large compared to the average brain and not necessarily saying that our ideas are any better or worse than others, but just due to the sheer volume of what we're able to think about it at, the, at any given time, it's something that usually tends to come in incredibly handy in creative or inventive types of endeavors. We're also really able to hyperfocus in in like the way I was describing hyperfocusing earlier on how we are 
are able to so strongly pay attention to all of the things that are going on around us, there's a lot of situations in which that is an absolutely critical skill to have that some others that don't necessarily have ADD would have to spend an enormous amount of time and practice getting good at, whereas people that have ADD, some of these things just sort of naturally come to them. For example, if you're in the military and you're working on the bridge of a ship, there's a million things going on around you at any given time that you need to know what's going on. If you're in a command type of a position, people that are ADDs tend to be very good at being able to keep track of things like that in stressful situations because that's just naturally how our brain works. Another example that's particularly common among ADD people, and this is something that a lot of people know happens among this particular portion of the population but don't really credit it as being ADD tendencies, is people who are solopreneurs and entrepreneurs. When you're starting a brand new business or where you're operating a business from the ground up, you've got to be the marketing person, the tradesmith, the salesman, the bookkeeper, the administrator, the receptionist. You have to wear all of the hats. And that's something that in a lot of cases is very difficult for the average person to do. Take your take an example of your classic Taking an example of your classic sort of engineer or scientist type, very focused, very focused on their particular trade and don't really does not generally do very well when being distracted to have to do other things. The lion's share of people that are able to successfully run their own businesses do have a tendency to have some of these more ADD qualities if they are not necessarily full on ADD themselves. I do apologize for keep using the acronym. I'll do my best to uh, cut down on that a little bit moving forward. But the reality is that people with this condition have some incredible strengths, and those strengths can absolutely be embraced within society. They just need to, people in society at large need to know how to utilize this behavior and how to put it to its highest and best use. When you try and take kids that are ADD and put them into spaces and situations that call for a brain function that's just frankly not possible with the way that we're all wired, you tend to run into problems. You know, we're we tend to be incredibly impatient. We're not good at sitting around and waiting for things. We're not good at performing tasks motionless or quietly just because we have to be moving and making noises to distract ourselves. One of the great examples of this is is something that differentiates me from my wife, Carrie, who is the farthest thing in the world from an ADD mindset. When we are as a family sitting around and watching television, the infrequently, as infrequently as that happens. But when we're watching television, 
Carrie noticed that I like to watch television at a relatively loud volume. And that's something that's always bothered her. That's just something that we always sort of run into as a, something of a conflict whenever we're sitting down to watch TV together is that I always prefer the volume to be in much higher than what she prefers. And when she sets the volume on the television, I can hardly, if ever, hear what it is that we're trying to watch. Always thought that this was somewhat of a strange thing. Initially, I was worried. It was like, you know, is my hearing going because I listen to music and, you know, TV shows so loud, you know, over the years, you know, with me getting, you know, into my later years here at all of 37 years old. But realistically, it turns out that that's not, that wasn't necessarily the case. After talking with my doctor and talking with a couple of people who are familiar with this situation, the reality is not that my hearing is going because I had my hearing checked and it's perfect. The reality is, is that when the TV is set at a lower volume, I'm hearing the TV and also my wife shifting around in on the couch and also the water running in the fish tank and also the dog walking around with his nails clicking on the thing. And then the kids playing with their toys and the leaves blowing around outside. And I just, I can't pay attention to the television when the volume's low, but when the volume is high, it drowns out everything. And then I'm able to pay attention. It's that it was actually a really interesting realization, but that's something to think about when you're dealing with people with ADD is that, they don't necessarily like things the same way that quote unquote normal people do, but there is a legitimate reason for it. It's not just simply because there's a problem. We don't necessarily follow instructions very well, frankly, because we weren't listening to you when you were telling us the instructions. If you didn't give us specific instructions to pay attention, um, we don't wait for things very well or show a lot of patience. We lose things pretty frequently. That's something that's incredibly common with me is that, you know, we've losing keys, losing wallet, losing shoes, not necessarily knowing where anything is amongst our stuff that's either stored in the house or in the basement or whatever it is, then again, we do have the ability to keep track of a lot more moving parts than some people do. It's kind of an interesting dichotomy there. <clears throat> We're often, you know, a lot of people often see us not necessarily paying attention. That's the most common one that you see at the schooling level when it comes to kids with ADD, or at least that's the symptom that most teachers see and frankly complain about to administrators and to parents is that, hey, the kid's just not paying attention. Um, at spe speaking somewhat selfishly here, it could also be because you are not at all interesting, but we'll you know set that one aside for a minute. We also have a tendency to talk quite a bit. Uh, this is definitely something, being a podcaster, I'm fully aware is, is something that I suffer from, and it's something that I've been working on a lot since starting this show, and I am getting a lot better with this, as reported by my wife, uh, but it is something that I definitely still am working on. It helps to have incredibly great guests on the show that are very much worth quieting myself and listening to. That definitely does help with the uh, learning to stay patient and listen. But the, the long and short of it is ADD isn't necessarily a good thing. It's not necessarily a bad thing either. It's just simply the way that some people 
are wired. Some people are able to multitask and focus on different things. Other people are not. Some people are able to keep track of all of their stuff and other people are not. In my case, keeping track of my things, not the greatest strength in the world. But thank God there are little technology tools like Tile and Tracker and stuff like that to help me keep track of all of my crap, which makes things a lot easier on me. I read a research paper that was put together by the journal Child Neuropsychology that found that ADHD sample groups sort of display greater levels of creativity in performing certain tasks than their peers without ADD and ADHD. And that's something that I can definitely agree with just sort of based on my own experiences and those of the people around me. The researchers sort of asked participants to draw animals that lived on the, on a plant that was different from Earth and create ideas for a new toy, things along those lines. And the kids with this condition tended to be much more prolific with regards to creating that information more so than children who do not. So there's a lot of other people that have been known to have this condition and that do quite quite well with it. Albert Einstein, Michael Jordan, President George W. Bush, say what you want, but raise, rising to that level while not necessarily being able to being the greatest at focusing on one particular thing really does say that this can conceivably be a strength in roles that do require the pulling of your attention in multiple directions. That applies to so many different areas of life. It definitely applies to mine and my chosen course of career work, which would be starting and running your own business. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of things to be constantly thinking about. And that's something where I've really been able to sort of harness this strength that I believe to absolutely be a strength. And it's really helped me out over the years. Something that I've come across, and I'll close with this because I don't want to belabor the point too much, otherwise to uh, live out a few more of the stereotypes of being an ADD individual. Something that uh, my wife came across that has been an absolute godsend for me with regards to my work-related productivity as it applies to this podcast and some of the accompanying work that I'm working on behind the scenes that's related to it is a concept called the Pomodoro technique. I'm not sure if anyone is listening is aware of it, but the general prompt, the general premise of it is it's a system to sort of help keep attention in a working environment. And the way that it works is you are supposed to work a certain number of Pomodoros or sections of a workday. The general the general rule of thumb is for you to focus and single task on one thing for either 20 or 25, I do 25, 25 minutes. And you set a timer, effectively an egg timer, if that works for you, or set a timer on your phone, and you work for 25 minutes on a single thing, and the minute that that alarm goes off, you stop, and you take a five-minute break. During these five minutes, you do not do anything productive. This is when you play games on your phone, you go and use the bathroom, you make any, you make a phone call to your wife or your kids or whatever, and then after that five-minute break, you've got another 25 minutes, and you 
push hard, hard, hard for those 25 minutes doing whatever that thing is. Me recording this episode right now, I'm recording this episode in the midst of one of my 25-minute blocks in my schedule. You do those 25 minutes and then you take another five-minute break. And this just lets us crazy scatterbrain people know that, oh my God, I'm not going to have to drone on and on and doing this one thing forever. And then we end up just getting distracted and not accomplishing anything. It's a very structured way for us to know that we are getting a break. We are we are allowed to be distracted, but you have to be distracted five minutes from now. You can't do it right now. It is coming. You're going to get it. Swear to God, promise to God, hand to God, you're going to get it, but not right now. And that's something that's been just earth shattering for me with regards to my productivity. I had no idea about this system before she exposed me to it. And it's something that she had implemented in her classroom with some of her students and basically just kind of finishing out the way that the Pomodoro system works is you're effectively working 25 minutes on five minutes off, 25 minutes on five minutes off. You do that for four segments although or two hours that is and then after four pomodoros as they're called you then take a longer break 15 to 20 minutes and then you get right back to it 25 on five off and then over and over it goes until you do another four and then you take another longer break and then back to it again it's just I can't say enough about it, about how it has positively affected my level of productivity with regards to the Small Moves podcast itself, with all the back-end work that's required to keep this podcast going. It's just been an absolute lifesaver for me. So thank you, my dear darling wife. I love you very much for showing me that. But I do hope that you guys can embrace that system as well, or at the very least, give it a try. There is a link in the show notes to find out some more about that, as well as a link to the journal Child Child Neuropsychology that I mentioned to you about the benefits of ADHD. You can find both of those in the show notes. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the show. Very quickly, before you go, today is Friday, February 9th, and today is the first day of the Small Moves Book Club. I'm going to be sending out the first email for that book club today at noon, noon Eastern U.S., And for that, I'm going to be doing a once a month book review of a book that I've come across that I have read that I know is solid strategy for people looking to make some small incremental changes in their life. Very much the focus of this podcast. And it's something that I really hope that you guys will enjoy. You have to be on the email list to get it. So please go over to smallmoves.co and sign up for the email list. If you sign on to the site and then just wait a couple seconds, a little window will pop up and let you sign up for the email list. Please do that. I really would appreciate you doing that and letting me know what you think about the review that is going out tomorrow and all subsequent ones thereafter. Also, lastly, please do go ahead and subscribe to the show. Whatever medium you're listening to it on, just go ahead and click subscribe to it so that you get all of the other episodes that are going to be coming up soon. Next Tuesday's episode, just as a quick heads up, is this month's edition of what I'm beginning to call the the AAYP series, otherwise known as the Annoyingly Amazing Young Person series. Um, for those of you that have been listening to the show for a little bit, you know, I interviewed Nate Butkus from 
Chicago last month in January, and he's the seven-year-old that has a two years and running now podcast about science. Just an amazing kid. And this month's episode is with Aiden McGath. He was a high schooler and at 17, while still in high school, decided to write and not too long after graduating, uh, publish a near 500-page fantasy fiction book. Um, Not exactly something that's very easy to squeeze in with all the other things that are going on at the high school level. And oh, by the way, the book's pretty damn good. So I interview Aiden about his book and about his process, how he was able to figure that all out. It was just really a great interview. I really enjoyed it. So go ahead and subscribe to the show to make sure that you get that interview with Aiden next Tuesday. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Small Moves Podcast, and I will talk to you next time around. You've got this. You've got this.